and welcome to the New Day podcast, where we talk about life and how we deal with what it's throwing at us. I'm Ian Newland, a learning and development nerd here in Salt Lake City with passions about sharing what I find on my way to Zen. With me as always. I'm Angela. I'm with Ian. I just like sharing my my journey to finding happiness, peace, tranquility. I have had many experiences in life and I, I like sharing them with you guys. This week, we're digging into an emotion that all of us have experienced in one form or another. Typically, it is viewed as a very negative emotion and with good reason. Oh, yeah, and that sure. is shame. Yeah. Did you think of like Game of Thrones, shame, shame? Yeah. A lot of people do. That was yeah. a very iconic scene but in very, TV. But very powerful because it was a powerful way to punish someone. When you talk about shame, especially in the last 10 years, you really can't bring up shame and not find Brene Brown connected to it. One of my favorite authors right now, one of my favorite podcast hosts, she has two. I don't even know how she has time to do that. We barely have time for one sometimes. She describes shame as an intense, painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Right. And I agree with that statement. An emotion that affects all of us, it profoundly shapes the way we interact with the world. Mm -hmm. For sure. When you think of shame, Especially where you have been a parent. Yeah, for sure. Being children of parents mm-hmm. that grew up with a very specific religious mindset. Yeah. We both grew up during the same time. We did. Yeah. Back in the 70s, mm-hmm. late 60s, early 70s, shame very much was used as a weapon. Oh, it for sure was. And shame is so powerful. It's actually even more powerful than anger. If that shows you how much of an emotion that that is on people and using it to manipulate people was very powerful back then. Now, I see shame used. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's been weaponized to a point with the advent of social media and the internet. Oh, agreed with the social media. Bullying Mm -hmm. is an extreme form of shame. It is. And it really, really angers me when I see it happen. I mean. Now, when you think of ways that you've experienced shame, Mm -hmm. what, what are things that first come to your mind? For me, we could dig into really deep, powerful ones, but I'll start with a superficial one. And that would be like, let's say I'm going to a wedding and it's supposed to be a casual attire wedding and I show up fully dressed in this formal wear and I get embarrassed and ashamed. That's a basic one. Now, other types of shame would be I've lied to someone and I know I've lied to someone and I am embarrassed about it. I've done something to somebody (laughs) With forms of shame that I think of growing up, one that always comes up with me immediately is, and you kind of watched it on full display last <laughs> night, was coming out right. for me. Right. I grew up where I came out after I had left Wyoming. I grew yes. up during Matthew Shepard in Wyoming. Which is a scary time. It was a terrifying time. Oh, yeah. I don't even know how you did that because, Wow just repressed, Mm -hmm. kept quiet. Yep. A lot of it came from the religious views of my family too, where it was, you need to get married. You need to have kids. You need to go to church. You need to go on the mission. You need to ABCD. Now there are some folks that do that. They embrace it and that's what they choose to do. And that's Mm -hmm. great for them. For me, it was not the right choice. With me, when I decided to stop attending church and stuff, I was shamed by my family a lot for that. And that really created a rift in my family line that's still repairing right now. I've seen it with other folks that belong to other religions. So it's mm-hmm. not just one specific religion. And I never want anybody to think I'm calling it out. Uh, one, no, one of the mantras not. I have is being a religious person does not guarantee you are a good person. 
Correct. There's and been I, a lot of things that. that have been pulled out mm -hmm. in the sake of religion. Now, it isn't just religion. Communal values. Oh, for sure. Can really play into this. Uh, you, you brought up the Game of Thrones thing where <laughs> now granted she did some pretty terrible things. Well, she did. She deserved what she got. But especially in the end, <laughs> uh, when we think shame, though, there's different shades of it. Yeah. And see, I touched on a superficial one. You kind of touched on a more deeply seated one. Well, so last night we went out a uh, couple reasons. One, celebrate my birthday. Two, a long time establishment here in Salt Lake that I have gone to since 2003. That's a fun place. The, too. It opened in 2002 during the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think it was uh, 2001. Yeah, shortly before that. Yeah. Uh, the Tabernacle, not to be confused with the Tabernacle. No. A whole think different of, show. Think of a Tabernacle. <laughs> yes. And I know the owners. I've got to know them very well over the years. It makes me very sad that it's being demolished because yeah. of quote-unquote progress here in Salt Lake with building a new 31-story <laughs> building. Going in there, they pulled me up on stage like they do. I'm sing sorry, Ian. Songs. <laughs> <my fault. laughs> I, I've done it so many times now. It's just like, yep, that's that's me. <laughs> yeah. The first time I did it, I, th I think, oh, God, I think it was my 30th birthday <laughs> when I was first pulled up on stage. And that was Feather Boas were involved and the song Dancing Queen. I was still very much trying to figure out who I was. At that time, I'd only been out for about three or four years. At yeah, that I was going to say, you were just newly out then, so. So it still was very much a, mm -hmm. I, I don't know how I feel about masses knowing about it. Right. At work, even, I didn't really talk about it at work, and I've never been one to really throw it out there. If people ask, I acknowledge it, and I'm like, mm -hmm. yep, it is. But it's not a point of, I make sure everybody knows. Right. That's fine. Not everybody has to. I mean, it's not like, hey, I'm here, I'm gay. I mean, you don't have to do that. You don't, at that point, it wasn't that I felt shame about it. It was just not something that I wanted to. Now, prior to that, yes, it very much was shame. Right. Now, a different form of shame. Shame to me is very non-useful. I agree. It's an emotion I wish we could just do away with, but we can't. It creates a lot of negativity. We usually mm -hmm. react very negatively to it. We, we do. I know a lot of people that use it. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a manager that used it as a tool, very commonplace, as he would sit there and try and shame you into doing what he wanted you to do. And I've worked for employers that have done the same. That creates an environment you don't want to be a part of anymore. Uh, anymore. Uh, what most people don't realize, that's a hostile working environment. It absolutely is. It's actually against the law for that to exist <laughs> it, it, it in a is. workplace. And I don't think people know that. And I think it's changed enough now that it's not being used, but it does get used occasionally still. Mm -hmm. Very much. And people will do it very subtly. With shame, I like the distinction that gets drawn between shame and guilt. Yeah, there's definitely a good distinction there. And guilt is used where it's more intrinsically. Mm -hmm. Yes, you feel the shame piece of I've dishonored my family. <laughs> it also is what am I going to do to get over it? So it's mm -hmm. more of a proactive yes. form of shame. It is. Where guilt is maybe I know I shouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I just didn't try. Right. I own up to it. And owning it is part of getting over it, honestly. Times that I think about where I'm just not feeling it for the day. Oh, so I yeah. just kind of coast at work mm -hmm. and you get done and you're like, yeah, I probably should have done more. So I'm going to have to do more tomorrow. And, and a lot of times shame comes from a sense of self-awareness of who you are and who you want to be. And when you don't meet those standards, 
that's when shame can come into play. In school, it, where there was my, my math class, for example, there were some tests I did really well and I was pretty pleased with myself because mm-hmm. math is just not my thing. No, nope, not mine either. And then there were other times where like, I just, I was sick. I wasn't feeling mm-hmm. good. So I didn't study for the test and I think I got like a C plus or something on it. And I was like, yeah, you know, I could have done better. I, I should have done better. I just wasn't feeling up to it. And you know what? That's a, a, something you can work on self-image wise to know that it's okay to not have perfect days all the time. So with guilt, I think you look at it as what I've done or what I have not done, depending on the situation. And how am I going to change things so it will benefit me in the future? Mm-hmm. Whereas shame is you're just not being proactive about it. You're just wallowing, feeling sorry for yourself. I have a lot of folks in my life. I hate it when I see it because it makes me want to just like shake them and go, get out. You can do better. This can get better. Or they just sit there and and woe is me. Now we have all been there. Oh, absolutely. And if you say you haven't, you're lying. It's it's a very dark place to be and it leads to a lot of despair. Mm hmm. One thing that I find helps shame is really bringing limelight to it, focusing on it. Yeah, agreed. You have to acknowledge it. One of the common things, if you read a lot of articles or listen to podcasts about shame, shame does not like to be talked about. Oh, absolutely does not. Shame is self-driven thing. Now, others will talk about things to Mm -hmm. force you into there. And it's used very much as a manipulation tactic. Absolutely. If you start talking about it, if you start naming it, if you start identifying it, Mm -hmm. this is where a mindfulness meditation practice really comes in where you can hit pause for a second. With shame, you're usually reacting out of, and we've talked about this for the last couple shows, when you start going back to those base instincts. Right. Flashing out, Mm -hmm. fight or flight. If you can pause and you can start thinking about it, if you can start identifying it, uh, a lot of the Buddhist uh, Mm. philosophies that I've read about is the self-reflection, the evaluation. Yeah. Why am I feeling this? Absolutely. And it's not easy to do. This is what we're we're diving into this with you, with everybody, is we want you to try to get to a state where you can do that. Even just stopping to identify, why do I feel this? A lot of the time we are so reactionary to things. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't really understand why. No. And it, that can be a really, really big downfall when you don't understand why you're feeling and experiencing what you are, because it just creates a real discourse in your body and your mind. Quite frequently, I find that what I thought initially was the reason I am feeling something. It may be a very surface level thing, but mm-hmm. if you start digging a lot deeper, yep. there's a whole lot more going on <laughs> under the surface. There's a lot buried under there, yep. Where you can start thinking in, okay, was it something maybe that somebody else said to me? Was it a situation at work? I often think back to work experiences. Mm -hmm. Those moments when I would have the panic of, oh God, what did I do? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I I start going to a very dark place and I start, that was the very surface level Mm -hmm. thing. But if I dig a little deeper, it's like, oh yeah, I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. Yeah. Checking the boxes. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to people. I'm letting people know what's going on. Being very transparent. There's no reason to be that way. Right. It was an insecurity on my piece just because of Correct. recent experiences that I'd been through with, say, the furlough. Correct. And on, on a different level, not a professional level, as a parent or mom, when your neighbors are taking their kids to activity after activity after activity and taking them to church and doing all this stuff, and you're not doing that as a parent, but you're a loving, good parent, a lot of insecurities start to come into play. Well, maybe I'm not doing enough as a parent. Maybe... They're a better parent than me. And it's the same thing. And when you start to dive in, you're like, wait a minute. 
that's not true. I shouldn't be feeling this way, but it takes a lot to get to that before you understand it. When we experience this, it is the ultimate expression of cognitive dissonance. Yep. I think this, I know this. Mm-hmm. Multiple thoughts usually will come into play with this. That's Absolutely. why when we identified where it actually can be a lot more than two thoughts, quite often there are many <laughs> thoughts that occupy that same space. Using your box breathing is, is mm-hmm. one term. There's so many versions, but a lot of it focuses on the breath, mm-hmm. pausing, and being with what is. I, I'm going to be honest. Since we've been doing this podcast, I was doing it before we started it, but I find myself daily using the breathing technique to pause, take a time out and reflect and calm down. And I'm going to be honest, guys, makes my days much better. I hope some of you will start to encompass this in your life. One of the techniques that I've shared that I heard Brene talk about a while ago that I absolutely love is what is the story here? What is the story Mm -hmm. we are telling ourselves? We will fill in any bit and every bit we possibly can with preconceived notions, with Mm -hmm experience with what we think is going to happen that's just how our brain works it's going to fill in the blanks to try and make a story we crave those stories to build our understanding we absolutely do i love ted talks because they're always stories Mm -hmm. and and most of them there's very much a formula to it Mm -hmm. but there's always the story that kind of gives the moral of why did we start into this why are we talking about this and then they'll fill it in with other stories we as human beings crave those stories and Mm -hmm. if we don't get them we will create them and they're ourselves. not always a good creation. I would say most of the time it's not. Mm-hmm. Thinking back in uh, relationships I had, I really wish I would have had the tool of what is the story here. Oh yeah, agreed. Uh, I I look at a couple of relationships that I've had and thought, oh god, if I would just ask that question mm-hmm. rather than using shame, shame, yep. and what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You know that that's stupid. Why, why would you do that rather than mm-hmm. saying, help me understand? Yeah. And honestly, that's something my husband and I have worked hard on this last year. We've had some communication issues and we've both paused and stopped. And instead of being, man, you're so stupid or why don't you get this? Or we'll stop and be like, OK, let's reset. Why are you feeling like this? Why? You know, how can I help you? And it's an amazing dialogue when you start to do it, but it takes a little bit of effort. Because your default is just to go to that. You're so stupid. Once you understand the story, more Mm -hmm. of what they think is going on. But quite often, a lot of us go, I had no idea that's why you were Mm -hmm. thinking that or how you perceive that. Mm -hmm. It helps bridge that understanding, helps identify Mm -hmm. things where you can start going, okay, there's really no need to feel shame about this. Right. I hate seeing shame used i would love to say i've never done it i know i've done it we've all done we've all done it yeah don't 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 tell yourself we haven't because we all have society teaches us that we need to make people conform to certain Mm -hmm. ideals absolutely i grew up in southwest wyoming it's not much different than it is here in utah actually i think it's more magnified up there maybe small town yeah shame is used so heavily in a small town when you start sharing that story 
and you can identify, okay, this is what I truly think. This is why I think it. Uh This is the story I'm telling myself. You start gaining feedback from others where they can correct you and say, no, this is what I really mean. No, this is what I'm thinking. And you need that. This is where the context comes from, where you can start taking that shame and building it into more of a guilt of, okay, I don't like that it went this way. So what am I going to do to physically change this right empathy that gets built into this Mm -hmm. empathy comes from knowing the story knowing and understanding why somebody is there Mm -hmm. there are a lot of folks that reach out to me on a very regular basis that are friends or acquaintances that will share something and i don't immediately respond because part of it is i'm trying to Mm -hmm. draw out i'm the same way because if i immediately respond it's not really what i want to say And I want to understand better what they're trying to say to me. I agree. I do the same thing. I've gone through a lot of conversations I've had lately where I know I used to be the type where I would go, well, that's stupid or oh, (laughs) just just immediately discount or discard what they're saying and feeling and thinking with empathy. I find that I'm starting to do more of a I'm sorry you're going through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. What what can I do? And and me too, but I think part of that is a little bit of that mindfulness and making yourself get outside yourself and view somebody else's point of view because we don't always understand how they got to where they're at. We've all done that. We all have our own spin on it, but we have never been exactly where somebody else is no, no, in their life. Absolutely not. There are folks that I see make mistakes and I'm like, oh, I, mm-hmm. I wish <laughs> I could have just shared with them. Now, we all know we we get to a point where we really don't want to hear that somebody else has been through this, partly because we think we right. we live our lives through a lens where nobody could have gone through what I've gone through. Absolutely. Now, yes and no. Not exactly. But Variations will exist. Right. But. but I mean, I feel like, and that's this is a hard conclusion to come to. When I share an experience of I've been through something similar, I'm not sharing it to say, oh, my pain's worse. I'm sharing it to say, I understand where you're coming from. It doesn't always come off like that. And I get that. But that's me trying to empathize with what you're going through and tell you I do understand. Talk to me. With shame, there's some sort of moral uh, feeling that, that mm-hmm. we have that yeah. we're experiencing that is causing this. It's, it's going against the grain. It's causing that dissonance because we have a thought, a belief, a feeling that we are very much attached to and we are not living or conforming to that ideal. I'm going to go to a dark side of this. People who don't own or understand their shame or why they're feeling it can go to a really, really dark place and it can create a multitude of issues from alcoholism to drugs because people are trying to numb the pain and the shame that they feel. And sometimes it can even go into like when you hear about a man beating a woman because of shame, he's feeling he's reacting in that way. There's a dark place and you have to learn to understand why you're feeling that shame and how to own it and process it. We all have our coping mechanisms with how we do this. For a long time, mine was alcohol. Mm -hmm. It really was. I kind of joke about it now uh, (laughs) where I'm like, yeah, I probably was. Honestly, I probably should have been classified as an alcoholic for quite a while in my life. Now, I came to a point where I was like, you know what? I don't need this anymore. There's other ways to cope with what's going on. And it took me really just saying, I'm going to face these Mm -hmm. demons or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to face these issues in my life and deal with it. Right. Don't go pour a drink. Let's uh, write it down or do some meditation, something else to process what you're going through an activity. So now uh, drinks on occasion are just a celebration thing. Yeah. That was the first I really drink drink in quite a while. Yeah. And we really didn't have that much last night. No. 
part of it was I was like, I came here to enjoy myself, mm-hmm. to talk to people. Yep. Then I'm going to go home and got to yep. be functional the next day. When you let go of shame, mm-hmm. it really does feel like such a weight has been lifted. It does. Off of your shoulders. And I really, if you're feeling this, identify what it is. Spend, spend time in mm-hmm. the darkness. Maybe you need somebody to be there with you. If you do, ask for somebody that you trust. Yeah, and that you know is going to listen. And share the story. Be willing to tell them the story of this is what I'm thinking. This is why I'm thinking it. This is how I got here. And that's part of owning it. And you have to a little bit. When you do this, it's going to, it, it does make you legitimately feel better. It does. And you'll... The more you do this and the more you get in the practice of finding ways to deal with it, the more you're going to realize that you're not feeling it quite as often and you're learning how to get around feeling it. I I guess that probably wasn't the best way to word that, but you do have to process it, though. I wasn't trying to say you don't. When you think about it, you identify it, you can start coming up with plans of action, Mm -hmm. which will help you move on from it. Yeah. That is one of the most key lessons I wish I would have learned much earlier in life. Me too. I think by doing that, my life would have immediately gotten better had I learned that lesson. I agree. Had had I had that through most of my childhood growing up and even into my early years of marriage, oh my gosh, things would have been so much better and simpler for me. So for weekly challenge. Okay, yeah. This week. Throw one out there. I think if we we dig into this. So we have identified what guilt is versus shame. Mm -hmm. Shame is the non-beneficial version of this. Because we're not going to plan anything. We're not really going to delve into anything. We're just going to feel terrible. Mm -hmm. Granted, a lot of that comes from others placing it on us. But we can't truly feel it without ourselves giving that permission. We're feeling it. So I want you to dig into... Think over this last week, what has caused you to feel some form of shame? I bet you'll find a situation. It, it happens a lot. It could be work-related. It could be relationships. It mm-hmm. could be something with a family member. Yep. When you think through that, ask yourself that question. What is the story here? What is the story mm-hmm. I'm telling myself? Then you can start picking it apart. Is this true? Is this reality? Right. I think you will find that you need to dig in with others and ask them why you think that. It's going to be very much based on something that someone else has has fed into. Yeah. Once you figure that out, I think you're going to find that you're shifting away from shame Mm -hmm. and moving towards the guilt because you can start going, okay, now that I've identified this, now that I figured out what's my root cause, why I'm thinking this, what story I've told myself, What can I do to start moving in a different direction? Mm -hmm. What can I do to start reconciling this cognitive dissonance that I'm experiencing? And that's why we needed to talk about cognitive dissonance. Right. Right. Shame is not great. And a lot of us have felt things over the last year and a half, especially a very, very difficult year 2020 and 2021 better in some aspects, not great in others. (laughs) When you start looking at, okay, is it something due to the pandemic? Is it something due to, I have a lot of friends that were part of Black Lives Matters last summer. Okay. And I, I'm straddled right in the middle. I recognize (laughs) that there are inequalities in how Mm -hmm. different backgrounds are treated. Mm -hmm. I have appreciation for my friends that I have. And I I had to have some very uncomfortable 
conversations well, with those them. Those are hard, yeah. Where I was like, help educate me on what it's like for you. Mm-hmm. I've done that actually with a couple people and more politically than mm-hmm. that. Because it's funny how pol- politics will invoke that shame in you. Like when they start to call you out on things that you believed and thought were true and people tell you, mm-hmm, and they, and they tell you this and this and this. And you do start to feel a little bit of shame, but they do that intentionally to make you shame feel that shame. Shame is used so much it in really is. politics. It's, it's, it's just, sad. It's sad. And, and I don't want to delve into politics, but I'm just saying that was an example of something. I know that personally people feel attacked when you attacked their attack their political beliefs and it creates that shame and i think people do it intentionally anymore i try to look for opportunities to take shame turn it into guilt Mm -hmm. and learn from the experience understanding that's why i'm here that's that's what i'm doing here on this planet called earth yeah i'm using it as learning opportunities and then helping to take what i learn and help others with it correct that's going to be the challenge for this week yeah it's a great one it'll be fun to i I would love to hear your stories i think we need to put something out that says what what is it what is something you feel guilty about yeah let's do that this week i'll make sure that happens this week that's the challenge that's just kind of a precursor shame we're going to be talking a lot more about it as we pivot into Mm -hmm. other parts of emotions yep but this was a conversation we felt we really needed to have now so we can go deeper into Correct. a few other things that we've got coming up. And it, it comes well after cognitive dissonance anyway. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. Be sure you hit subscribe or follow on your platform of choice and share us out with your friends and family, if you would, if it would help them. If you want to have a conversation with us, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram. Yep. The gram. Is, the gram. Uh, as some people call it. And we will see you next time, everybody. See you next time. See you next time.